Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. And I have uh, another guest with me, uh, same one as last time, uh, part two uh, with missionary Nicholas David Malucci, M-A-U-L-U-C-C-I. How many people do M-A-L? Several. <laughs> I think I've done that most of the time, so I'm going to work on that. So um, if you missed the first part, I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to that. Um, and we recorded uh, about background life, mission, getting there, and all of that. Um, the more we were talking over the weekend, the more I thought, well, I'd love to do another one and ask you about this. So you've been 19 years in the country of Bulgaria. Um, how long were they under communism as official communism, and what are they now? So officially it was after World War II, but they had communist factions before that, uprisings and, and so on and so forth. So they, they bought in hard to the communist idea. They were known as Russia's little brother during the communist era. So it wasn't like they were being coerced into this. They, yeah. uh, I, their government leaders were you know, on board all the way. So, and that was all the way up until the, you know, the Berlin Wall came okay. down. So the Berlin Wall came down. What do they have now? Um, so what happened was democracy came in. Now there's, and there's was a, like a pure democracy, not a, not a democratic republic like we have in America. Right. And it was based on just who votes for who, which basically there's still 16 or 17 parties. And it's just a scramble for power. Power. And basically the same people that were running the country in communism are running the country today. Yeah. So um, so are there a lot of differences now than the way it was ran then or uh, better or worse? Well, we weren't, obviously we didn't live there during communism, but we've talked to many people that were there, are still alive, that, that are living now through this democracy. <laughs> and unfortunately, the differences are all negative 
with their experience because wow. democracy allowed allowed people to have freedom so they're not not quarantined but uh um, at night you had to be in at a certain time right under communism mm-hmm. now you can be out at all hours of the night so they still don't have money they still have bad health care they still have all the bad things about communism they just don't have their work provided for them which they look at as a, as a good thing mm-hmm. you know they got sent to the field or sent to you know do whatever they're doing in a factory so their work was always secure and now they have crime that they didn't have before and that's really the big difference under communism, they did not have like petty crime, and well, now they have it. So, which is amazing, as we know, our f- our form of government, our founding fathers said that it is only for moral people. Right, you know? exactly. And with communism, you don't have that. So, uh, explain what you've seen. You've been there for nineteen years. Um, I've heard you say a few times, very adamantly, "I hate communism." <laughs> um, and so, why? Well, what do you see? What has it done to the people? Uh, at their core and their soul. Well, communism, because it's more than an economic system. You know, when I was in high school, we learned about you know, capitalism, communism, the economic systems of the world. But communism does more than just put people in communes. And, you know, on paper, supposedly it works. But it affects the actual, like, actual souls of these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, not spiritually, but it's like they, they, they lose their desire for anything, they lose their initiative for anything. They they don't have anything to live for because there is no God. And once you go a generation or two and you lose that, you know they used to believe in God, but now communism teaches there is no God. There's just they strip they strip the the people from any type of dignity that they had before. And we just see that we see that on a daily basis. It's like treated our people, our people are treated with without dignity, and they have no dignity for themselves. They don't care how they appear. I told them, so this is just like a little snapshot. I said to the kids yesterday before church, I was like, you have to iron your clothes. We're not in Bulgaria anymore. They don't care. Nobody irons their clothes. Why would you iron your clothes? Who cares? Yeah. That's, that's their thing. There's no dignity at all. And so I, I don't know how many times I've talked to older Bulgarians that lived through the whole thing, and maybe their fathers or their grandfathers were the ones that had the farms taken had their houses taken, had their brothers and sisters taken from their homes, put into little apartments. I'm talking about like seven, 800 square foot apartments with one room, one bedroom, one room, you know, living out in, in the country. Now you're living in one room and you're working for the communists. You have to come out and praise them on the streets. And you're just looking at just hollow eyes. It's looking right through those people. They have no desire to live. They just live day to day. We hate communism, yeah. So what do they live for? So, well, the communists stripped a lot of that away. Just what is there to live for? It's just hedonism. It's like Bacchus, you know, just whatever thrills me today, whatever thrill I can get. And there's no moral compass. So if you can, you know, if you need money and you can steal money from somebody, you haven't done a misdeed or a sin or there's no conscience. It's just, why well, I made it through the day. That's a plus. And that's why it's hard for... You know, that was a culture shock going in there because even in America, we have a moral compass. We have, we have terrible people in America. We have great people in America, right? But terrible people and evil, evil is still the exception and it's still like something looked at by society as something evil. Mm-hmm. So when Tiger Woods cheated on his wife, everybody, like America turned against Tiger Woods, yeah. rightly, because everybody knows that's wrong. But everybody knows that that's wrong in a society that has a moral compass, right? 
in Bulgaria, we moved there, um, and people say, you know, oh, we, we just love Bill Clinton. And it wasn't because of his socialist politics. It was because he was able to get away with what he got away with in the Oval Office and, and in, his, in the power he was in, because that's what life is to them. That's what they live for. That's what they live for. Wow. Um, children. How do they value children? How do they treat children? What are children like there? So, you know, being a communist country and not having a value on life, birth, you know, the two big events in life are birth and death, right? That's what we celebrate in America. Yeah. And, and you, look, you look at the Jews, you look at the Jews in the Bible when Moses died or when somebody died. That was a, it wasn't a celebration, but it was like a celebration of a life, right? right? Honoring, the, honoring them. Exactly. And as you go farther away from God's word and then you go into these communist type societies, both life or, or birth and death are both sort of just pushed off to the side. So there, there are more abortions than live births in Bulgaria. Wow. Um, wow. You know, you have a, uh, you have a baby. <clears throat> Every time we were expecting a child, it wasn't... In America, we do showers. Yeah. The Bulgarians are very superstitious people. You never do a shower because you don't know... First of all, you don't know if the baby's going to live. But second of all, you don't know if you want the baby till the end. I mean, you might not want the baby. Wow. Um, every time we were having a baby, I'm not talking about like leftist feminists, you know, 40-year-old feminists. I'm talking about old grandmothers. Don't you know you can have an abortion? Why are you having another baby? Wow. Don't you know you can have an abortion? There was never congratulations. Wow. It was, don't you know you can have an abortion? It's like pulling teeth over there. I don't know if we've ever met anybody that hasn't had an abortion. I mean, everybody's had an abortion. Everybody. And then on the other end of it, death, and I've done some funerals over there, and they're just throwing you in a pine box and, like, throwing you in the ground. There's no pomp or circumstance. There's no, you know, this, what, a, what a, there's no speeches made. There's, it's just sad. It's just like, oh, that person died. What's going on with life? And it's just, you can see it at the beginning and at the end. It just is pervasive throughout the entire, you know, society and the life of, life of the people. It shows, it comes out. So what's family life like, marriages, uh, families and marriage, how's that over there? So <clears throat> under communism, they tried this for a few years. I don't think it worked out, but because communism is against private property and people were still getting married, so technically like the wives belonged to those husbands, they would, the Bulgarian government would pay a stipend to the women who made themselves available to whoever wanted to be with them. And they would pay them a monthly stipend because they were trying to do away with all, with all private property, and because the husbands were married to the woman. So, so a husband-wife relationship is is purely just an economic decision, or I mean, love is world. The the world's love is everywhere. I mean, like we're in love right now. We're I'm living with this person right now. I'm living with that person. But real love, you can't find. It's it's just very rare to find. So families, you know, the whole family um, unit is just, has been obliterated. It has been obliterated. I mean, we, we cannot count five families that we know that are, where it's a, it's a man, a woman, and at least one child that are living in one family without it being divorced or a child from this place, the child from that place. It's, it's sad, but that's the end game of communism. You've been there 19 years and you don't know five Intact families. Exactly. Wow. Unbelievable. 
Um, big question, Chef. Um, coming back to the States, you uh, don't come back often. Uh, you're called to that country, and you've been there mm -hmm. most of that time. What do you see when you come back to the U.S.? Um, so when we come back, it's like, you know, it's like seeing somebody I haven't seen for six months. You see the child has grown, or you see things that, that aren't obvious to them because they're living with those children. Right. So, you know, this time coming back, last time coming back, it was stark. But this time, it was six years since we've been back. And just um, <clears throat> communism is platformed off of distrust. Mm. Like, you don't trust, you can't trust the government, but the government has Karens everywhere, has people watching everywhere, and you don't know who to trust. Mm. They wouldn't let you put up curtains during communism because they would they, they would want to be able to look in any time they, they could. You couldn't be individual. I heard one old communist say, look how terrible that block looks, that block of apartments. Everybody has a different, they've decorated their their porches differently. Look how terrible that looks. That was blowing my mind. Because everything should be the exact same, and that that's, that's when life is good, when everything is the exact same. So um, communism is based off distrust, and us coming back, after the China virus, whatever that thing was, going on, and the distrust, you know, American government, it's not American government, but globalist government has always fomented, like, a segregation and racism. They've always, they do that, they do that everywhere. Right. You go to Africa, you know, in the, under the guise of the UN or whatever, the powers that be are fomenting this stuff because they know people that are unstable, that they're more easily controlled, mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. And America... Our society is built on trust. That is one reason America, you know, it was with a handshake for a couple hundred years. It was a handshake. Yeah. You give your word, and there's still a lot of places where you can still get that. Yeah. Like, people stand by their word. Like, that's what I said, so I'm going to do it. But communism is not that way. You, can have, uh, you, you talk to anybody who's been in a communist country. They stamp everything, notarize everything, stamped 100 times, notarized 100 times, and they still don't go by it. Mm. Because they're not interested in keeping their word. And so everything, nobody trusts anybody. We've been broken. It's something you can't fix. We don't trust people anymore. Now, my wife and I, when we come to America, I think I can flip a switch. And I'm like, well, it's an American I'm talking to. So if he tells me he's got three kids and works at the Ford plant, I believe I'm just a random person. <laughs> In Bulgaria, no. Wow. You don't believe anybody. Anybody says, and I know when I'm talking to people, they don't believe what I'm saying. And so the China virus has started to erode that foundation here in America because you don't know what people are thinking. It's no longer, hey, man, how's it going? You know, how's breakfast this morning at the restaurant? It's, you know, I wonder if he's a leftist. I wonder if he's, you know, if he's going to, what's he going to say if I don't have the pokety-poke or, yeah. you know, if I'm not wearing a mask or this, that, or the other. And now they've used that now to divide our country even further. And they're coming in the back door. The communist, you know, if you read Skousen's book, or what, what, I think it was Skousen, but uh, Naked Communism, he wrote in 1958. Mm. But they outlined like 75 things that this is how they're going to take America. And they've done, like, just like, Flat out, modern art was one of the things we were going to introduce. But they had this in 1958 because it erodes the value of real art. Right. And like every single thing, has, they've done it one by one because it's not a country. It's not a, you know, it's not a military. It's an ideal. And it's the ideal that is antagonistic and uh, totally opposite of what the Bible teaches us, where we value life. Wow. And... And, and that's hard for us to see coming back. Because we expect it in Bulgaria, and we're trying to help them, but we come back and see America embracing it so 
readily is, is hard. Wow. <clears throat> you know, the things of the family, um, comparing birth and death and the family structure in America now to where it was 20 years ago when mm. you left, uh, how much more is it like communist Bulgaria than it was true America? Do you see those kind of changes? You do see the change, but we're still like a hundred miles away. I mean, still, it's so refreshing to be in America. You have, you have unsaved people everywhere who have family values, right? It's just part of the fabric of America. So we're coming from that fabric, Mm -hmm. whereas the communist fabric, because it's been in their generations now, in order to go against that flow, you're, you're going, going, going against everything just to have a family and everything's set up to you know, everything's set up for the individual, you know, all the way down to the restaurants. You're not going to find a table for more than four people anywhere at any restaurant. It's just a pain in the neck. There's no discounts for, if you have, if you have four or five kids, no discounts for anything, no discounts at the stores for buying in bulk. It's like everything's geared to, to discourage people from having a big family. In America, we don't have that yet. In America, when we walk around, so we were at 10 kids with us, people are, are, you know, smiling at us and happy to see it. And they're like, oh, that's a great family paying for our meals at the restaurant. They don't know who we are because America is coming from the other direction. Yeah. And there's still a, a stark difference between America and Eastern Europe. Stark difference, but... But we're going the wrong direction. changes that you see. Yeah. The direction we've we're seen in that. We've so. seen... Uh, okay, so the this time coming back. So we're used to, you know, shelves not being stocked or messy in the stores, long lines rude cashiers, dirty restrooms, dirty parking lots, garbage laying everywhere. This is life in Eastern Europe. We're used to it. We expect it. But this is the first time that we've been back in America. No service at the hotel. Nobody's at the front desk. Cards don't work. Parking lots dirty. Shelves aren't stocked. And we're like, it's like Bulgaria. Now there's pockets. It's like, it's growing. And you can still go to a lot of places in America where it's America, old America. But I explained to the kids that we're not, it's not American anymore. It's, we live in soft communism here. Wow. I've heard that from many people that live and grew up in, in the Eastern Bloc countries and they come to America and they're just shocked. Or from Cuba and they see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they came here maybe in the 50s or 60s to get away from that. And now they see America going that direction and they're waving this flag, mm-hmm. warning, you don't see what's going on. And it's that, you know, the, I don't think it's really true, but the frog in the in the pot of water, right. they, they they say you could keep keep it and would and not jump out. I don't think that's true, but but that mindset there it changes so gradually and so incrementally that we don't see it. We don't think it's that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But from you coming back after so many years and seeing and going, yeah, yeah. it is it is drastically changing the wrong way uh, to be able to do that. So. Uh, the answer uh, in Bulgaria and America is still it's still Jesus. <laughs> and the Bible just it just gives light for for everything. Everything. There's just a lot of wisdom in the Bible. One example of um, the difference between America and Eastern Europe, because all all of our ten kids that we're traveling with were born in Bulgaria, so two of our boys went to get their permits. Now, before I left for Bulgaria, like the last place you want to go is a DMV. I mean, it's like. You got to sit in line. You got to yeah. fill out paperwork. You got to pay money. You got to do this. You got to do that. So I said to the boys, I told them before we walked in, we were in Buffalo. I said, this is the worst place that an American can go is the DMP. I said, you guys, you're not going to believe it. How great this is going to be. We walked in there and there was a line, but there was a security guard, which we have guards everywhere, by the way, in Bulgaria. Everything is, has security guard. 
and they don't smile, they don't say hello, you're not allowed to talk to them. But there was a security guy, I was like, how you doing today? And she's like, oh, yeah, good, how are you guys doing? I'm like, fine. We walk up to the desk, and there's a, there was a line, but it moved, I mean, within like five minutes, we were up to get our number to sit down and wait, and talking to the girl, and in Bulgaria, you never have the right documents, you always have, they're always looking for something that you did wrong, mm. and she's like, helping us out, she's like, oh, yeah, you can fill that, you can do this, real convenient, we sit down. We didn't wait an hour and a half like we would have been in Bulgaria. It was like 10 minutes. People are talking to each other. We're talking to the people next to us. They call us up. One guy calls us there. One guy calls us here. We're at three different desks. And, and because I had, Noah had a question about an address, Vito had a question about a phone number, and they're asking me, I'm, and I'm yelling back and forth. I'm like, all I need to do is get my social security number and everybody can be registered in my name. <laughs> had a great time. Paid our money, which would have been the equivalent to what we would pay in Bulgaria. We were out in there like 45 minutes with two permits. I said, wasn't that great? Because the the the, the worst place in America is still better than the best place in Eastern Europe. <laughs> it was still that way. And people complain about the DMV and how yeah. bad it is because it's government run, but right. it's still so much better than, than yes. where you go. Anything, anything there. Yeah. yeah. So in closing on this, the answer is Jesus. Like you just said, every problem that anybody has in life, the Bible has the answer to that. Mm. Everything from work to children to marriage to finances to business to life to morality, every answer to every one of those things is in the Bible. If we can accept the Bible as our authority in all matters of faith and practice, wow, how much better would America be? How much better will yes, Bulgaria be? So, mm. um, so I don't know if you think about this much. We haven't talked about this, but if you think about the millennium, what will mm. Bulgaria be like in the millennium? You know, what cities are you going to want? Okay, Jesus, I want to do cities in Bulgaria. Imagine Bulgaria run by Jesus Christ with a rod of iron, setting up the way things are supposed to be done. Well, what an amazing thing that would be. And, uh, yeah. and you know, we don't control that now with a rod of iron, but we can make sure our life and our family is set up that way. And the closer we get to living our life that way, the better life is going to be. So, yes. well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I thought it was amazing when you're talking about Bulgaria and how horrible communism is, and then seeing those same things, like you call it soft communism here, and that people don't see it, uh, but that distrust is there. Um, and to see the morality and the families and, and abortion, how many people don't care anymore, mm -hmm. death. There are less funerals now than anything. Oh, just a graveside or mm -hmm. just a, just a uh, uh, crematorium and, you know, that, that's mm -hmm. it. They, they've lost that too. So these things you're talking about, marriage, some people aren't getting married. They're just shacking up. They're hooking up. This person, this person, this person. And so many of those things that you talk about over there, you really do see mm -hmm. them growing more and more and more here as we get away from the Bible and God, yeah. and it's not a, not a good thing. So no. any last thoughts on that or, uh, what you, anything else you've seen or, or comparison? No, I mean, we, we, we have to, we have to stand up. We have to, we have to look, people have been, have been living under persecution to live for Christ since, since Jesus was on earth. Yeah. And, and because we've been in this incubator of America for the last 250 years, you know, since our constitution was signed, before that there was still persecution against aggression. Mm -hmm. But um, because we've been in that, we've sort of, uh, just by pure, you know, it's, I'm not faulting anybody, but we've become soft in some, in some ways because we just haven't faced, you know, any persecution. But it's coming and we have to, we cannot let them just walk over us. Mm -hmm. You know, like during this whole year and a half or two year China virus thing, 
Well, there's people that, that they literally risk their lives every week to meet and go to church. Yeah. They risk their lives to sing. Why do we come together and why do we sing? You know, because if you read the Bible, that's what Christians do. They come together, they sing. I've seen video in North Korea where people, they gather together in two or three and they'll whisper the songs, but they'll sing. Mm. And why would they risk that there? Because that's what Christians do. Yeah. And when we're so ready for the government to just come and say, you know, you can't meet anymore, and we're ready to embrace that, and you have Christians oh, yeah. berating other pastors yeah. because they're keeping their doors open, we're we're getting close. We have to stand up. That's a problem. Yeah. Our our support our uh, sending church called a press conference there in New York, and New York was one of the tougher states with the right with the mandates or whatever they wanted to call those things. And they get, they gathered like 75 or 80 pastors together and they held a press conference and said, this is what we're doing. We are not shutting down. Mm. We're, it doesn't matter what you say. We have the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. We're and it's a simple... We, exercise. we have to stand up. Yeah. We cannot allow them to walk over us. That is, that is how the communists took Russia. That's how Hitler took took Germany, was go, just taking people of power out of the way, and then just rolling over, and the people never stood up. Yeah. And we, we just we have to stand up if we want to keep our republic. Amen. Love it. Great ending on there. Thanks again. And uh, I'll be praying for Brother Malucci if you want to follow him. Uh, Facebook, uh, Nicholas David Malucci, M-A-U-L-U-C-C-I. Yes. And then uh, we're on Facebook, the Malucci team. Um and you can follow him and contact him there. And if you want to be on his mailing list, then you can write him a letter. The address, I'm sure, is on the Facebook page. Yes, um, they can write that and uh, get on his mailing list and support him and be a part. And uh, we're glad that you're here. Excited what you did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.